0: Well, the problem with going after Brad is his introductions are better than any devotion I can give. So thank you, brother. Yes, but that's exactly what I was thinking, that every Sunday I'm given a taste of heaven because I come and see all those faces and I look at me and I think back, wow, am I here? And who am I, Lord, standing in front? So thank you. And what a great privilege it is to share God's word I am particularly indebted to Nick Roark, who has been the friend who sticks closer than a brother, and faithful are the wounds of a friend. So this morning, we heard Brad's sermon from the Gospel of John of Philip's invitation by Nathaniel, where he tells Nathaniel, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, from John 1. So this evening, we are all invited to come and see and listen to one of these Old Testament prophets who spoke of the Messiah and learn afresh what he said about this Messiah. And in so doing, my prayer and I trust that is your prayer too, that our love for our Savior will be rekindled as we see his glory and his grace so that we too, with Thomas of old, will proclaim my Lord and my God and join with Philip Bliss as we end tonight by singing Hallelujah, what a Savior. So before we go into the word of God, I'd like to seek the God of the word. Pray with me, our God and our Father. We want to come and see Jesus and learn of him. We pray for a life-transforming encounter with the living word through the written word. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer for Christ's sake. Amen. So let's keep our Bibles and our hearts open to our text for this evening which is taken from Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So here's the main point of this text. The suffering servant offers himself as a substitutionary atoning sacrifice for sinful man to bring peace and healing. The suffering servant offers himself as a substitutionary atoning sacrifice for sinful man to bring peace and healing. Each piece of this main point addresses three questions to use the language of the journalist, who, what, and why. Who is this suffering servant? What did he suffer and why did he suffer? So let's look at those questions briefly. Who is this suffering servant? Our text begins with an emphatic he, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Who is this he? There is no doubt that if you look at the context of this verse, that this he refers to the suffering servant of the Lord. How do I know that? The beginning of this section is actually in the previous chapter, In verse 13 of Isaiah 52, where the prophet says, Behold, my servant shall be high and lifted up and exalted. And yet, amazingly, his exaltation will happen through his humiliation, his tribulation and suffering. We are told that this servant's appearance will be marred beyond recognition, that he will be despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, as you read in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 3, therefore the he of this passage prophesied by Isaiah is none other the servant of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happened to him? What did he suffer? What did this servant suffer? Our text tells us that this suffering servant suffered. Look again at this passage. and I suppose the best form of imitation is flattery, but I also think that the best form of Crediting someone who our creditors do is to imitate him and say, Look at your Bibles, don't look at me. That's what Nick says, isn't it? So look at your Bibles. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. Let's ponder these four aspects of the servant's suffering. First, the suffering servant was pierced for our transgression. The word pierced refers to a death wound. It usually means to pierce fatally. And the word transgression means to cross the boundary. All of us have broken God's law and crossed the boundary of his word. But this sinless servant who knew no sin offers himself to be pierced in our place as our substitute on the cross Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. Secondly, you look at the next word that is used for the suffering. He was crushed for our iniquities. The word crushed means to be trampled upon. The suffering servant, our Lord Jesus, was crushed to death on the cross for our iniquities. Now, the word iniquity is something which may be a little foreign to us, but the Bible refers to it as that perversity of human nature which says, I will be the captain of my soul and the master of my destiny. It is basically to use today's lingo to say, I am the Lord of my life, you do you. Just like our first parents, we have followed our heart's own evil desires instead of following God's word. And yet, instead of us being crushed, the prophet tells us that God crushed the suffering servant who offered himself as a substitutionary atoning sacrifice for our iniquities on the cross. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. And third word that is used there is chastised. He, upon him, was the chastisement that brought us peace. Again, the word chastised may be foreign to us, but it's basically being punished. Our sin incurred his punishment. Jesus took our punishment in our place on the cross. As we are going to sing shortly, bearing sin and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. You see, sin is an eternal condition which we have inherited from our first parents. I ask myself every day in relationship to my patient, what's the diagnosis? And what's the diagnosis of the human condition? a three-letter word with I in the middle. And our obligation was to obey our creator, and we didn't. That created a liability. Now, Jesus comes not only to do what we could not do, to live a life of perfect obedience, therefore fulfilling the obligation that we did not, and also takes upon himself the liability, that is the death, which was the punishment for our sins. So he was pierced, He was crushed, he was chastised, but then he was mortally wounded. By his wounds we are healed. Sin has ruined eternity. Sin has ruined humanity. That's the problem, isn't it? It's not better education, better financial status, but the real problem is the transformation of the human heart has to come when we recognize that the problem with me is me inside. Sin is always the problem. And we are all mortally wounded. Only the wounds of Christ can heal the wounds of sin. Sin has indeed left a crimson stain. What can wash away my stain? Only the blood of Jesus. And Jesus was wounded for us. Why is the next question. Our final question is why did this servant suffer? Notice that we are told two results of his suffering in our verse. His chastisement brought us peace, and by his wounds, we are healed. That's a word which is very special and very dear to my heart, being in the healing profession, and we'll talk more. But first, I want to go back to our main idea. Remember the main idea? The suffering servant offers himself as a substitutionary atoning sacrifice for sinful man to bring peace and healing. First, Jesus suffered to bring us peace with God. The central question of the Bible is this, how can a holy God be reconciled to sinful man? We are at enmity with God. The answer to the question of reconciliation comes in this, Jesus came to live and to die in order to reconcile God and man. He came to secure our peace with God. We don't have to work our way because Jesus paid it all. What a fundamentally different way this is from what I grew up with in India because in India, there are 330 million gods, each one of them saying, this is how I will accept you. But Christ comes and says, I've accepted you because I have paid it all. And so Christianity says, you are accepted, therefore you obey. Every other worldview says you obey, then you will be accepted. What a freedom it was to know that Christ has paid it all. If while we were enemies, Paul writes in Romans 5:10, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? Erwin Lutzer writes: The gods of other religions tell us what we must do for them. The God of Christianity tells us what He has done for us. Jesus suffered to bring us peace with God, and secondly, Jesus suffered to bring us healing. Isaiah says that the wounds of the suffering servant brings us healing healing here refers to total healing of the total person wholesome restoration and full healing the apostle peter understood this when he writes later on in first peter look at that in chapter 2 and verse 24 we read of the savior he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that he might we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And by the death of Christ, death itself died. So we've answered the who, what, and why, and therefore we have to answer so what, now what. So briefly, two applications. For the believer, marvel afresh at the suffering servant's love for you. Many of you here tonight have come by faith to the foot of the cross, And beheld by faith the suffering servant. But brothers and sisters, has the cross of Christ become too familiar for you and me? You know that old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. But maybe for some of us, it's not contempt, but complacency. The death of Christ is not just the entry point of our faith. It is our faith. You remember what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatian church, Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and uh, and the life I now live in the flesh. Listen carefully. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. How sweet are those personal pronouns, beloved? Look again at our text. Look, look again at our text. But He was pierced for our transgressions; He was just, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Can you and I identify with with those personal pronouns in the text? Do you grasp how much love divine is found in that precious hour? You know what Tim Keller was fond of saying always. The gospel is that on my best day, I'm a worse sinner than I could have ever imagined. And yet at the very same time, because of Jesus, Even on my worst day, I'm more loved than I could have ever hoped for. Brothers and sisters in Christ, marvel afresh at the divine love of the servant who suffered in our place. But that brings us to the second point of application. Maybe you are not a follower of Christ. You are just an observer. You haven't thought about Christ in any way other than maybe that he's a good man, a good teacher. For you, this text is calling you to turn from your sin and repent and to trust in him. Friend, do you recognize that you are a sinner in need of a savior? That you cannot have the peace of God unless you have the peace with God through Christ. The suffering servant lived his perfect life and died for sinners like you and me. And he was exalted on the cross, but now he's exalted in heaven. From whence he will come one day to judge the living and the dead. He came once as a savior, he's coming again as a judge. I would rather meet him as a savior, and he invites you today, repent of your sin and trust in him. The wages of your sin is death. The Bible says, I pray that you would receive this Christ and the peace that he offers. Along with the Apostle Paul, I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because the promise is that if anyone is is in Christ, he is a new creation. I want to finish with a word from John Newton, the former slave trader who wrote Amazing Grace. He had had a life transforming encounter with the risen Christ and had become a new creation. And as you know, he became the pastor and As he became older and he was at the end of his life, someone asked him, John, what do you remember? And he said, I don't remember many things, but two things I remember always. That I am a great sinner and Jesus Christ is a great savior. I hope that is our testimony too when someone asks us. You know, when we are taken for our elder exam, John Anderson gives us a lightning round. You don't have any time to think, you have to answer. So if someone woke he up in the middle of the night and said, why do you follow Christ? I hope that will be your answer, because I'm a great sinner, and Jesus Christ is a great Savior. Let's pray. When I survey the wondrous cross, O Lord, on which the Prince of Glory died, our richest gain we count but loss, and pour contempt on all our pride. Forbid it, Lord that we should boast, save in the death of Christ our God. All the vain things that charm us most, we sacrifice them to his blood. Love so amazing, so divine, demands our soul, our life, our all. So may it ever be so, precious Lord. For Christ's sake we pray, amen. Amen.